everybody. Welcome to How to Be Me Again. It's our special New Year's review, our uh, 2021 retrospective episode. I am Kristen. And, and I am oh, yeah. Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> On my other podcast, I introduced both of us. Oh, so I was just like taking charge. There you go. Because we talked you. last week about like, Maddie, don't leave me hanging. So I'm I like, know, right? I've got to come in with like, I'm Maddie and, and this is... <laughs> This is what I think. And now I'm just overly eager. Just like, yeah. you're not allowed to say anything. I'll introduce yeah. you and then I'll say everything I'm for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going to take a sip oh of my boy. New Year's drink. Do we, <laughs> need, yeah, do we need to do uh, an experiment of me letting go of control? Probably. <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> yeah, like, we don't need to think about that. That's next episode. Yeah, that's this, next year's the, problem. This episode's all about the year that was. And then exactly. next episode, we're going to look at what Kristen needs to do in 2022. Yeah. <laughs> just me, just all just the pointers you. of like, mm, yeah. you should fix this. And it will also be entitled Maddie, Maddie Deflects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the only thing you have to work on. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Just yeah. stop making it all about Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my so gosh, good. you guys, it was a crazy, crazy year. I think. Yeah. 2021 I was thinking about it and I've actually heard a few people kind of talking about how it was such a hard year and I think it was almost harder than 2020 which is crazy to say because 2020 was hard but it was so 2020 was so like in flux and it was so new and uncertain and unknown yes. and that was really difficult but it was almost kind of this camaraderie in a way of like us dealing with everything together yeah whereas this year felt was really divisive like yeah. there's, there's divisions and there's just such uh, anger all and the fatigue time and, uh, and also yeah. I feel like last year we had and you know I feel like so much of what we're talking about right now revolves around the pandemic and mm-hmm. you know that that global situation we all find ourselves in but I feel like last year we had goals, right? We're like, we're getting to the vaccine. Like like, that was kind of what we were moving towards. And then the vaccine came really early this year. And now it's like, we're we're trying to get to life back to normal. Yeah. But it just never happens. Yeah. But it's also so much more like there isn't a defined end that anyone can really decide on. So it's kind of, we're all in limbo. And I I fucking hate limbo. Yeah. One of my most... But I kind of think like just how you were saying that it's, you know, last year we marked it with, okay, if we get to this point, it'll be okay. If we get to that point, it'll be okay. And I really think like when you were saying that, it really resonated with me that I think we do that in life in general with everything in life. Like, okay, if I can just um, find a partner, then my life's going to be okay. If I could just get that perfect job it'll be fine after that. You know, it's like green if I can do this, of course. Yeah. yeah. Like we, we set these hurdles for ourselves, you know, we're these benchmarks of and once I get there, it's all going to be clear after that point, it's going to be, you know, I'm going to be able to understand it and move on and everything will be fantastic. Mm. And it's like, well, that's not how life works. And now we are stuck in this weird limbo of, okay, stuff's kind of back to normal, but then not all of a sudden and everything's okay, but everybody's angry and, you know, the climate change is awful and the environment is mad at us. Like the world is just mad at us. Crazy stuff is happening. And well, it's interesting Mm -hmm. that we started talking about the greener pastures thing too, because I feel like that, you know, if we're talking about a retrospective on what 20, 21 was for each of us Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like 
one of the big themes that came through was trying to pull myself out of that future paced living, like where it's like constantly living in the future um, and trying to be more present. Yeah. And boy, do I have a long way to go. But (laughs) that's definitely been a theme, right? It's like it's coming up in so many areas of my life from the way that I'm parenting. Like even I know I realized the other day, like my youngest daughter is now, she's almost she's eight and a half months almost. It's crazy. When I saw you guys the other day, she was so big already. Yeah. And I'm like, how are you growing so fast? Stop. Right. <laughs> well, I realized this morning that like I'm almost at that point, you know, there's a lot of um birthing people who will do like a picture of like nine months in, nine months out. And it's okay. like that's where you take the picture of the big belly and then you take the picture of the like holding the nine-month-old child. Okay. And I'm yeah. almost at that point and I'm like, gosh, it's amazing Whoa. how differently time feels between like nine months of being pregnant, which was like the majority of my 2020 mm-hmm. compared to like raising small children. And you end up like I've definitely experienced where I end up in this place of like, oh, I'm just so excited for when they turn insert date that I'm excited about yeah. or age that I'm excited about. Yeah. And, and that's kind of wishing away their life, <laughs> I yeah. love my life, you know, yeah. and not, not enjoying those little moments at, at every age. Cause there are Absolutely. different things that happen every single day, you know, especially with very yeah. young children. Um, and I, yeah, I kind of feel bad about it, but uh, that's where the present being present is a practice for me. That's the thing. And I think that that's why it's so important and why we wanted to have this episode of looking back over the year and kind of, you know, looking back without judgment, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of times we can look into the past and be angry at some of the choices we made or feel disappointed in ourselves or whatever. Um, but I think we really wanted to focus on that instead of just focusing on the year ahead, which quite often is what the new year is all about, where it's fresh Mm. beginnings and what am I going to do coming up? Like what's going forward? And that's all great stuff. But I think it's so important to acknowledge where we've come from. You know, like you were just talking about, it's like when you actually sit down and think about that nine months that you were pregnant and the nine months since that time, you know, like if you actually think about it, it gives you a bit more of an appreciation of you know, how far you've come. Like Zaley's yeah. been in your life now for almost 18 months, you know, yeah. like that's yeah. crazy to think that way, right? That is crazy. <laughs> well, I even th- the other day got to thinking that I had to remember when I like fell pregnant because I was like, has Zaley been alive only during the pandemic? And I was like, yeah, yeah. literally her entire existence has existed within this bubble of time, yeah. you know? Yeah. Which in some ways is very depressing to me because I'm like, is that how long we've been in this? Like, when is this ever going <laughs> to end? Crazy. But um, it's it, but also I think it's to give myself some grace because mm. what an unusual time in in history to have been pregnant, to mm-hmm. have had to have had to give birth, to have had small children. Yeah. Um, and you know, so many of the expectations that mothers set on themselves just can't apply right now even like not that Mm -hmm. they ever should because you know that's a whole nother conversation but (laughs) like it's so impossible to have this like Instagram worthy like parenting situation now Mm -hmm. more so than ever before like it's just like we're just trying to get by and like I don't want I don't want this episode to be a bummer because I feel like I was like compared to where I was this time last year a huge difference Oh, like, yeah. So much great stuff has happened yeah, this year. Absolutely. Personally. 
but that that's something I really think about is like we have to give ourselves some grace like I feel like in some respects society is trying to trying to tell us like things are back to normal in certain Mm, ways and so we're like expected to behave and act and feel in certain ways that were like pre-pandemic yeah which were probably broken to begin with anyway oh they were Um, terrible anyway yeah exactly (laughs) yeah but we're kind of in some ways expected to be back there now even though things really aren't anywhere near normal aren't any and may never look the same like it's just we're still in like this really intense period of time that's what I feel like 2021 largely was like if I had to look at it not just in terms of my own life but in terms of generally what's been going on around me is that okay everybody's acting like hey things are back to normal and with work going back to work and all these things and everybody's just trying so hard to convince themselves that everything's normal and that they can go back exactly how they were but I think now in the last few weeks I've heard and I've had more conversations with friends of mine and stuff about how even in social situations it's like oh everyone's expecting us to be a lot more social and it's like I just can't handle it for as long as I could before no I just don't have the patience and I don't have the stamina for Mm. any of that stuff that we had before I think we don't have as much emotional stamina we don't have as much you know we're not as willing to put up with the societal rules that have been placed on us as we were before because we were so conditioned to it before that we just went along with it even if everything inside of us was like screaming out no don't put me in that situation again yeah it was like well that's what's done so we just do it and it's okay because you'll kind of have fun or you'll you know it'll be fine in the end and you always are fine it's fine you know but I think now we just because we've been outside of that it's like we have to get reconditioned or here's a novel idea let's not get reconditioned and let's just create new rules and new ways of acting and being absolutely which like my hope is that that's where we lean towards and that's where we're headed um and at the same time to recognize that change is hard and especially on a societal level like oh there's going to be the people who dig their heels in and don't there's going to be the people Mm -hmm. who forge ahead and are pissing off the people behind them like you know change is is tricky it's interesting because like at one time in my life in the corporate world I was dabbling in a bit of change management and like how we implement changes in teams and like you've got to think about personalities and how you introduce things and Mm -hmm. change as a function of society is really tricky to navigate yeah especially you know even if you're bringing intention and a plan to it mm-hmm. you just you're never going to get it absolutely right like there's no such thing yeah you're dealing with complex personalities and like to put on top of that where everyone is now in terms of the pandemic and the fatigue everyone's feeling and you know at the same time I think I was just thinking as you were saying that it's probably it's probably what needed to happen for certain things in our universe to have shifted like I'm thinking about like Black Lives Matter and you know the oh for sure inclusivity um you know stuff that has (laughs) has come up in the last year and a half I think that stuff's been always been there right it's always been there however I feel like the mainstream finally took hold and took notice because there was this window where if you do a protest in the middle of a pandemic it's going to get noticed yeah right well I also think it's that thing of like we didn't have the same day-to-day distractions that we've built into our lives right yes so everybody was 
kind of bored and kind of looking for what's out there. And it's like, this is happening. Oh my gosh. I didn't, they had the time to sit and actually pay attention to it and learn about it. Well, and also like we're all on social media, like, you know, we're learning through a different medium. Mm -hmm. I was having this chat to my friend over the weekend about how, you know, there's this like attitude that I don't know if you've experienced this. Like if you're a reader, that is somehow morally superior than if someone who watches a lot of television. <laughs> yeah. Right? And though they're all just stories. <laughs> yeah. All just stories. And it drives <laughs> yeah. me bananas, right? <laughs> yeah. And it, we were chatting all about this and I got to thinking how I learn these days. Because mm. the truth is I, for probably the last like at least three or four years, have really stopped reading nonfiction books because I'd gone through this really, especially with my online business, I've been reading lots of nonfiction, really like diving and learning new things. Mm-hmm. But it's when I had a commute and I was listening to audiobooks and I don't have that anymore. Right. And I've always like been beating up on myself for the fact that I don't read enough. Yeah. But I learn an insane amount from social media. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that have a lot of things to say about the quality of the information that you're learning from social media. And I always take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. But but I anybody follow- can write a book too, that being said, right? Like Exactly, right? <laughs> no one's fact-checking these things. Yeah. And my thing is I'm these little snippets of information are bite-sized and easy for me to consume. And I remember them better because they mm. come with graphics and they come with, you know, maybe it's a uh, a video piece of content and I remember the video. Like yeah. I actually cementing so many, like especially when I'm thinking of inclusivity stuff and stuff around diversity and all that, yeah. the stuff I've learned through social media has stuck. And yeah, I, there's something about it being bite sized that helps me do that. Yeah, but for some reason, I'm like judging myself that I'm like not reading a book on, you know, black lives because that's I'm not reading- what we've been led to believe is, you know, synonymous with somebody who is very intellectual and actually yes. like really cares about bettering themselves and all that yeah. kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think like ultimately the biggest, the most important thing is is actually putting your full attention into it. You know, like for me, I watch a lot of TV, but there's a big difference between me like passively watching it and not really learning anything from it or, you know, that type of like not really paying attention to it and me scrolling social media and not paying attention to it. But then when I scroll and I actually really read it and I delve into it and I click on the links and I learn more and I read the full article and that kind of thing, like, yeah. It's, but you know what's interesting so much too? Of it is just yeah, our attention. Sorry, but see, I also got to thinking about like I hear what you're saying on like the attention versus mm-hmm. the like you know when you're intentionally watching something versus not. Yeah, but I also got to thinking about like watching TV isn't just watching TV. Like when you're watching mm. something, it really depends on what it is that you're watching, right? Yeah, I'm thinking like <clears throat> my husband and I go through this period of watching a lot of documentaries. Yeah, does not make us morally superior, but all of a sudden we're going through this like little learning moment yeah then I might be into a drama and the Mm -hmm. thing is drama is not just necessarily purely for um entertainment purposes like I'm learning about social interactions and different personality types and it's all this like subtext that like you're kind of absorbing yeah and then I was thinking about there's these shows like The Office or Parks and Rec that I've watched so many times and I go back to Mm -hmm. and I end up feeling bad about it but again, I think, like you said, with if there's intention of like, I'm going to watch this to, to have a chill, to not have yeah. to, just to set my brain to a certain frequency of just yeah. like chilling out. That's okay. Like, Absolutely. I feel like 
Again, but I think it's also thing. you're also you're still we're still taking things from the world around us. Like I see a lot of that stuff as we're Im- doing a lot of emotional learning or it's an emotional yes. outlet. Right. It's not yeah. all about, oh, intellectually, I'm learning a new fact. That's not the only way yes. to um, like show that we're learning something. Right. Absolutely. Or that well, it's, it's. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of trashy books out there I could be reading <laughs> that right? are like just as bad, quote unquote, as. Yes. Like, some trashy TV show, right? But because you were reading instead of watching, yeah. for some reason it would it's be like better. morally superior. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting you say that because I was just thinking, like, so we rewatched The Office, like it's going out of fashion. I love The Office, and right. But it's mm-hmm. interesting, even in watching something that I've seen so many times that I can recite so many of the lines. Yeah, going into watching the show with new information between what, like, between rewatches, yeah, I end up analyzing the show differently. Yeah, so. It's interesting, especially using The Office as an example, because there's been lots of talk in the last 10 years about, like, bring it back and, like, do a reunion season. (laughs) Yeah, lots of stuff like that. And Steve Carell apparently is very disinterested in the idea Mm. of it Mm -hmm. because, and I think rightly so, he recognises that the show would not work in this day and age. Like, it worked 15 years ago in the Mm -hmm. climate of what, like, corporate world looked like. Yeah. But especially with so much of the social justice stuff that's gone yeah. on. When I rewatch it now, the sexism, the racism, the homophobia, the and, and, and admittedly some of them were tongue-in-cheek and, like, actually they were pretty forthcoming about what they were doing with those yeah. jokes. Yeah. But they still wouldn't really But still like, even being tongue-in-cheek tongue wouldn't be acceptable. No, anymore, exactly. You know? Exactly. Like so, it's not acceptable to joke about that stuff either. Right? Absolutely. But yeah. it's interesting to watch it and like realize I'm actually learning again through watching a show I'm familiar with to go, mm-hmm. oh, that's no longer like, especially it's crazy. when you go, yeah. yeah, going and getting into like understanding what, what transphobia looks like, what homophobia mm-hmm. looks like, you know, what racism, it, it's your ability to notice it because it's those microaggressions that everyone talks about yeah. as being the things that make you know, people who are trans, black, um, homosexual, like it make that's what makes their life so challenging is that there's these microaggressions they experience every day. Yeah. It's not just about these big, you know, spent putting some money in a donation and like you've done your part. It's really about understanding. And yeah. so like I think there's even something to be said for the fact that I'm still learning through a show I've seen so many times because exactly. I'm bringing new information to the experience. Yeah. I think that that's just a testament, though, like a lot of people have been commenting about how um, looking at watching older shows like The Office or like I've been binge watching Seinfeld lately, like watching that stuff and stuff from like the 90s, like the stuff, the language they used to any towards anybody, towards women, towards like, you know, people of color, like all that stuff was insane. The way they freely talked about it is crazy like it uh, the way that we talk about those types of issues is so different now yeah but I think so much so in the last two years that Mm. has changed that landscape has changed so dramatically it's kind of unreal like Mm. it's it's I almost want to see like a chart where it's like even to see representation because I was I was just thinking Mm. as you were saying that like yeah and think of all the shows in the last five years even that have come out with like a non-binary character or mm. that have come out with um, like gay leads or yeah. 
or a black person as the lead character or an Asian person mm-hmm. as the lead character or no white people in the lead cast. Like yeah. there's been a quite a lot of, sh- not quite a lot, like definitely not by comparison to what is, you know, otherwise though, out there. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to see almost a chart of like how those things have grown up because I reckon it's yeah. really exponential. Like oh, it's totally. just been like this explosion. Yeah. And I hope it continues because like it's it's what we've, like so many people have been asking for for so long mm-hmm. and it's finally starting to like actually hit the screens. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that being said, just one last point, and then I want to move on to the next thing about um, the letter that I wrote to myself for Ooh. last year's me. But yes. very quickly, I've been binge watching a show called The Great. It's about Catherine the Great. It's on oh. Amazon Prime. It is so good. It's a, like it's a period show, but it's yes. like very modern and edgy in the way that they talk tons of sex in it but like it's not Helen Mirren is it no it's oh, um I'm of a different one Elle Fanning is in it oh, Coda Fanning okay. sister yeah yeah it's just so good but it's interesting to me and I was commenting to Greg about this the other day that it's a period piece and they have made a very conscious choice to include quite a few black and other people of like other races Mm. as like people in the nobility like in the court like the aristocrats in russia at that time like Mm. that definitely was not a thing that existed in that time but they've made a point of it and it's like mixed race couples and all that kind of stuff which is so fascinating and the fact that they're doing it is to me because you don't even notice it there's so many of them and they don't comment on it. Like it's not, they're not servants. They're not, they're in yeah. roles with white people like that. Yes. You know, in history that white people were holding those roles. So it, to me, it was such an interesting thing that it wasn't really normalizing those actors being, and it was very much like, well, why can't those actors be in those roles? If yeah. like, there's obviously an American actress pretending to be like she has a British accent in it, but it's a yeah. British accented person playing a Russian. <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. that none of that is real. So why can't there be black actors or yes. you know, East Indian or I guess Indian actors? Like, why can't they be playing those roles? Absolutely. If there are other people playing roles that they obviously aren't those things. Then it that can makes be. so much sense to yeah. when you say the thing about um, the language. Like, because I think one of the shows my husband really loves is the, um, like the docudrama Chernobyl, like the, oh, the okay. recreation. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's really good. Yeah. But everyone in there speaking English, like, yeah. you know, and they're calling on this, each other comrade, yeah. you know, but even though they're Russian, but like, yeah. like it's, it's really interesting that we, we're totally fine accepting that. And then for some reason it's like, oh, but we couldn't see black people playing those yeah, roles because that exactly. wouldn't be accurate. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I, I remember Bridgerton. Did you ever watch Bridgerton? No, I was just talking to my friend about it this morning, though. She's like, you need yeah. to watch it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it's a bit different because it's more um, fiction. Like it's more purely okay. fiction yeah. as opposed to what I'm assuming with Catherine the Great is a well, with the great, it's like right based on some historical. Yeah, I context. think it's it's loosely based on actual. Yeah. Pretty events. loose, yeah, very loose. <laughs> yeah. But they did the same thing in Bridgerton, where they just had like mixed race couples, and like the lead Amazing. guy was black, and yeah, and it was just you don't even notice. You like, don't even just, notice that it becomes no. normal. Yeah, mind you, I say I don't even notice. 
and this is going to sound like I feel morally superior, but there were people that came to me and said, oh my gosh, and there's even a black guy. And like some uh, of the, some of the commentary that came after that, where mm-hmm. it was like, and, and, you know, he was really good. I'm like, yeah, but you wouldn't <laughs> say that about a white guy. You would just, you mm-hmm. would have different things to say about the show, but for some reason, the way that you have analyzed the yeah. actor, the actor's, you know, ability is based like as if he's like overcome something by being black. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think that part of that though is that we're so taught that we're taught that there must be there must have been some reason why mm. they never did it before. Like the, yeah. the, that there had to be some logical reason why it had never been done, not just some stupid bias. Yeah. Right? Like we like to think that there was real intent behind that. Like, yeah, oh, you know, no black, the, yeah, no yeah. black actors are there because they're actually not really good actors. So when one comes along and actually does a kick-ass job, we're like, oh, they're actually, that one was actually really good. They did a really good job mm. thinking because it's this thing that's been ingrained in us of like, oh, there yeah. must be a reason for it. Not yeah. realizing that. Well, the reason is because humans are like hugely flawed Yes. Like we're terrible. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I remember this. I watched a documentary recently where there's this, like some some movies age so terribly. Mm. And there was a movie with Catherine Hepburn in it from like, you know, decades ago. And she's a nun and she's teaching African mothers how to bathe their children because, of course, they wouldn't know. And you look back on that and you're like, what? Like, (laughs) That being said, I think there are some Yikes. people that are still doing that in Africa, but whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I saw <laughs> That's a, a whole different that, topic. <laughs> right? I saw a post the other day that said missionary work is colonialism. <laughs> like, you know, yes. just straight up. Like, yeah. that's racist. It's colonial. Yeah. Like, yeah. When I was growing up, our church was raising money to, like, they're like, we're sending it to Africa. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, they acted like everybody knew what was going on. I'm like, well, what are they what are exactly are you sending to Africa? Like, what, what are you doing for them? Like, what's the money going to be for? Mm. And they're like, oh, we're using it to print a bunch of Bibles and send them over to them. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, yikes. Don't you think they've already got their own beliefs? Like, yeah. don't you think like they, they're not lacking in belief? They are lacking in food and clean water. Like, don't you think that they would. Could Stable use, governments. Like, yeah, they could use something <laughs> yeah. else yeah. before they need a Bible of all the things. Like, come on. Like, give oh, me a break. Right. Oh. What a waste of money. And, and just so presumptuous. Anyway. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. We have gone down a crazy tangent. We keep tangent. going down. The, we keep going It's down impossible. We can't I know. do it. Exactly. Okay. So now. So something that I do typically, it's typically on my birthday that I do it is I like write just a very short little letter to myself. Usually it's on my Instagram posts of (laughs) like to my like age last year. So to the last year, like what you gave me and like what I got from it and how I'm going to move forward and all that kind of stuff. So I thought it would be kind of a good idea, especially because this last year has been so crazy and such a time of change and, you know, I don't know, just craziness, like thinking about mm. where I was at in my life in January of 2021 versus where I'm at right now. It's like a com- I'm a completely different person, not different, but just, yeah, yeah, changed, you know? I feel you. Yeah. So I thought that it would be really cool to do, to write a letter to myself to last year's Kristen and share it with you guys. And that I thought if you are looking for something to do, as I mean next episode we're going to be talking about um 
like the year ahead, we're not going to be doing resolutions, but we'll be doing a few little kind of exercises to look forward. But I think it's also something really important at this time of year to look back and kind of like give thanks for what we went through and to acknowledge what you went through and how you've changed and grown and to be very gentle and kind with yourself and acknowledge it all. Cause I think that's part of like, you know, journaling and gratitude and growing and changing and taking care of ourselves is acknowledging where we came from, you know, not just where we're going. And bringing that curiosity to be like, Hmm, why did that happen? Why did it turn out good or bad or in between? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to hear your letter. Yeah. Like seeing all of it. Okay. Here we go. You guys. (laughs) Okay. Dear 2021, Kristen. Wow. What a fucking year. This past year threw so many challenges your way. At times, I honestly thought you wouldn't be able to make it through. I have never seen you so low and ready to give up. But somehow, you found the strength to put one foot in front of the other, to treat each new breath as a new chance to begin again, and you persevered. Thank you for not giving up. This year, you had to fight against your own inclination to put yourself last. You fought against uncertainty, exhaustion, and self-loathing. Your battle scars are still healing, but you won. Thank you for being strong enough to throw the first punch. There was a time when I thought you might never be heard. I'm so glad I was wrong. Not only did you find your voice again, but you raised it. You shared your ideas with others, and you became solidified in the belief that if you have nothing else in this world, you will always have your voice. Thank you for turning your whisper into a bellow. It's nice to hear you again. Most of all, thank you for learning how to be your own advocate. I'm sorry you had to learn it all on your own with no one to teach you. I hope you know that your hard work will not be in vain. Thank you so much for everything you did for me. I am stronger because of you. I love you. Love future Kristen. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I was getting like emotional as you were reading that. I just thought, no, go ahead. I just wanted to say, I didn't realize, uh, I don't think we've spoken anything about your finding your voice and like, Mm. and like feeling like you have, you have a voice. Like that's so awesome that you feel like that now. I didn't know that you didn't feel like that. Yeah. It's weird because I think so much of me, I'm such, I've always been such a people pleaser in my life. And so Mm. as a child, I was very shy and very reserved and very much, very quick to let other people take the lead, even though I can be such a leader, like it just depends on the, you know, the personality types around me and you know, yeah. if I feel like, okay, I can step up and be good here. But if somebody's like a really strong personality around me, I tend to really take the back seat. Mm. And I think like that job that I was on, you know, at the start of uh, 2021, I was so low. Like I had just, I had put myself in a position where I was not, I was not advocating for myself. Like I was mm. not I didn't want to be there. Nobody was listening to what I was saying about like, you know, reaching out. Like I was in tears with my boss telling her like, I can't keep doing this. This I, I can't do it. And she's begging me to stay because like they'd be screwed if I left. So yeah. I really like instead of trusting myself and being like, listen, you can't be in this position anymore. Mm. I let I let other people kind of do the talking for me in a way. And I was like, it's fine. It'll be okay. Just keep going through. It'll be okay. You know, 
And I've yeah. always felt this thing inside of me that I'm like, I'm, I'm destined for something more. I'm destined mm. for to do something with my life. And I love reaching out to people. Like I love, you know, when I'm coaching people, I love that feeling. And I know yeah. that's the one thing that's always been a constant is that when I'm speaking to anybody and I'm giving advice and I'm coaching them, it's the one thing that I always get consistent feedback on that that's like, that's such a strength of mine. Mm. And so I was like, I know I've got this. I know I have things to say that will help people and that will change things, yeah. you know? So yeah. if I, like, I didn't know anything else. I didn't know what path I needed to go down to not put myself in that situation again. Like I didn't mm-hmm. know any of the tangible things, but I had to hold on to something. So I'm yeah. like, that's the one thing you do know for sure. So whatever it is, you just keep speaking and keep saying what you need to say. Mm. And it'll it'll work itself out, you know. Absolutely. It's just that yeah. imperfect action, right? Just exactly. time and time again. Mm-hmm. And you have so like I'm constantly blown away by like your knowledge and your uh-huh. not that I was like, <laughs> gosh, she's a real dullard before. <laughs> it's not it's a real shock (laughs) yeah like wow um but no like I'm always like really impressed especially because like maybe maybe part of my um like what I imagine you are like inside uh comes from like I don't know you like your career and stuff but you're Mm. so Mm -hmm. you like when we speak on this podcast I feel like you're so well read and like you're so like I mean, I already knew you were a super empathetic, intuitive person, but like yeah. I just really feel it come through on this show. Aww, so I'm I'm glad that you, you know, told yeah. me that we should do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you spearheaded this. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm glad that you're along for the ride. It's been like, yeah, it's been awesome. I think like your energy is always so infectious. Where it's like, oh, okay, let's do this. It. And you're like, yeah, let's do this. Okay, this is a great idea. Like whenever we have our brainstorming meetings, it's just yeah. like hours and hour. We can talk for like four hours straight. Easily. <laughs> and sometimes I get to the everything. end of four hours and I'm like, oh, but I didn't cover half exactly. the stuff that I wanted to talk about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Honestly, I, it's such a shame. I wish we had before I moved away. I wish we had gone and done like a girls weekend and just like I gotten know. all of our words out. I'm sure I we know. wouldn't have gotten them all, but we would have had a damn yeah. red hot crack at it. <laughs> Pretty close. Well, maybe yeah. in January that's what we need to do there you go yeah um that was such a beautiful letter how Mm. do you feel reading it writing it um I I felt very emotional reading it Mm. I didn't feel as emotional writing it I was just like what do I want to say like it was really quite an interesting process like actually thinking about the year because I realized that a lot of the really negative stuff I had either really like shoved down so I don't think about it Mm, mm. or I had looked back on it in a very not in a negative way but in a almost with action almost with like well I should have done this Mm. or I should have done that but I didn't do any of that I didn't take action for myself sooner I didn't so kind of like judgment seeping into judgment for sure and and almost making excuses for like for some like fictitious audience of like oh well you know I didn't do that because of this you know Mm, like always kind of with the excuses and the judgment and the having all these layers on top of it so it was really nice to go back and really just like okay honestly what would I say to myself in that moment and kind of thinking about all the phases of the year because it was Mm. I kind of you know it started out 
in that terrible work situation and like extreme burnout and then went to, oh, I'm trying to recover and take time off work and then ended up working anyway. And then Farlo mm-hmm. died and like just all these different distinct kind idea. of phases. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I, now I feel like I'm actually really, um, starting to become myself again, mm. which is, I mean, obviously how to be me again is the whole point of this podcast, yeah. but it really is an interesting feeling because you don't feel that you've lost it until you're like in certain moments where you're like, oh yeah, I used to feel like this. And now I don't feel like that anymore. Yes. Or I feel this joyfulness that I didn't have there before. It was really dark when I think back, you know? Yeah. Isn't it amazing how, like, you get so used to the dark? Like, you just, you get, because I, that's definitely, I, I, failed the assignment <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't write my letter I completely forgot I actually was thinking like I'm having heard yours I'm like maybe I should write it and read it on the next episode because yeah, do I it. know our episodes for the next year but I might maybe I'll do a bit of last year this year actually yeah do it um because now that I've heard yours I'm feeling really like I want, mm. want to write that to myself it feels mm-hmm. like a really beautiful exercise yeah um but I definitely feel like from this year I had some dark moments, especially a lot of it had to do with my skin. A Mm. lot of just like, I can't escape this. Like I can't, Mm. none of those bullshit self-care, you know, tropes of like go and have a massage, go and, you know, whatever. None of those would have solved it. None of those would have, a lot of them would have made it more uncomfortable to be Mm -hmm. myself, you know. And overwhelmingly I feel like the thing that has shone through is my ability, which is like continuing to grow to like listen and hear my small voice, the small mm-hmm. voice inside of me. Like I think my intuition, like, like yeah. the truth of the matter. Yeah. And I feel like it's a real testament to making the decision to move back to Australia and my skin like really responding. Like mm-hmm. it's a real like energetic shift. Mm-hmm. Um. And even things like, you know, on the weekend we caught up and I was having a bad day. <laughs> yeah. I was having a bad yep. day. I was not happy. <laughs> I was really, I was angry and I was upset <laughs> and I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. And I, I in the past would have pushed through so much more than I did over the weekend with, because I was seeing so many people like friends and, yeah. you know, and I didn't, like, I kind of was pretty honest with like, I think I said to you, like, I'm just, I'm having a bad day. Yeah. Been been really crap. Yeah. And I also am just really grateful that like this year, the friends I have in my life have just like proven beyond a shadow of a doubt and just like deepened my trust in them mm-hmm. with how accepting they are of me. Yeah. And I think that is it comes in two parts where it's like I'm really pleased to have surrounded myself with the people that I have, but I'm also really pleased that I'm like letting them in more because mm, yeah, that's hard, right? That is hard, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just talking to a friend this morning about the fact that I really struggle to be celebrated. I really don't Mm. like having attention put on me, which I think I've mentioned before on this podcast and we're doing a celebration for them. And we were talking like, they were kind of saying to me like, what, why do you feel that? Mm. And I think because a lot of it has to do with like asking for something for myself, like asking mm. for someone to attend something or to, you know, to maybe there'd be an unsaid expectation of a gift or 
you know, yeah. like that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Or the, even just people taking people's time. Yeah. And I find that very, very uncomfortable for yeah. reasons I haven't even really explored. I don't really know why, but that's something I'm going to continue to explore next <laughs> year. But I'm really grateful that I feel like the friends that I have, I could ask and I'm, I've gotten better because mm-hmm. they are the kind of people that I can ask for help for. So yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being one of those people. Aww. Of course. You're one of those people for me. <laughs> it's actually so funny when I was coming to see you on Saturday and I yeah. was like, I was like bawling my eyes out of the car. I was so like, like furiously angry. Yeah. And I was like, it's cool. I think I've seen Kristen cry like three or four times. <laughs> like, I don't know how many times she's cried cry all like the time. time. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I don't know if I, and I still didn't, I had no idea when I first saw you that you had just been like, bawl- <laughs> you're like, oh, I was just like bawling in the car. I'm like, you were, I'm like oh ugly gosh. cry face. Like you can tell for hours <laughs> after I've been bawling. Yeah. Oh yeah. And just the amount of snot in my nose, you guys, uh, unreal. My sinuses are out of control. Yeah. I am such an ugly crier. It's unreal. Oh. Yeah. I feel like I am too, definitely. I don't know if it lasts as long as what you're saying it does for you. It's like but... it's like this cruel joke that I am highly sensitive, like I'm a highly yeah. sensitive person. So it's really easy. Like that's usually how I express myself is by crying. Yes. So whether I'm angry or sad, never when I'm happy, actually. I don't cry. When yeah, I'm we've happy. talked about this because it's funny. Oh, I, right. I cry a lot when I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like I'm a big crier, but I must really hide. Like I think I've got this stoicness from my mum mm. because who was she's like. She cried in front of us, but mostly she angry cried, actually. I think, mm, like, same, I don't know that yeah. I saw her cry, like, oh, other than when she saw a really sad commercial on TV. <laughs> and then it was more like, that is so beautiful. <laughs> that is so sad. Um, but it was mostly angry crying. And actually, it's not surprising that I do a lot of angry crying. Yeah. Like, when I feel particularly misunderstood. Yeah. I get really oh, emotional. Oh, the worst. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you're like, it's no, interesting. I'm not upset. I'm I'm actually really angry right now. Yeah. And they're like, Don't are you okay? I'm like, tears. no, I'm mad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to comfort me. <laughs> but it, I think it's also like a bit of a response to it not being like that accepted for women to be angry. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Because like I could really feel that on Saturday because I was particularly angry with Rory. Mm-hmm. And I was just... I was just like seething, but like I have so many little voices going on in my head when I feel like that, where I'm like questioning myself like intensely to to like triple, quadruple, quintuple confirm that it's okay for me to be angry. Like, is this, is this real? Is this warranted? Is it it justified? Like I have all of these checks that I'm doing, which is like, I think some checks are probably a good thing but truthfully for me it's like I'm trying to justify feeling an emotion mm-hmm. and, and and even more than that not just feeling it but like sharing that emotion with someone yeah putting it out yeah. there exactly. but I think that's where it comes from because it's the judgment of and the yeah. questioning that you get from people outside of you of like well why are you feeling that that's not fair you can't feel that the amount yes. of times I've heard people say, like, you can't feel that. Like, something mm. for me as being a very emotional person, we should have had this discussion during our emotions, like, <laughs> experiment. But here we go. <laughs> That's what we've learned, you guys. We're coming back. <laughs> um, but something that I um, have really worked on as a very emotional person, because I took in what everybody else would always say to me. So then I would question myself and tell myself, you know, are you justified in this? Like I'd have this whole thing exactly like what you just said, where I, I would try to self-regulate so much 
before yeah. putting anything out there that it just it became nothing like I just my emotions were eating away at me because they never got expressed at the right moments and mm. in the right context and all that kind of stuff um but so much of it was me learning how to say yeah whatever emotions I'm feeling like they're legitimate emotions like it's not mm. there is no such thing as overreacting because whatever I'm feeling is exactly yes. how I'm feeling in this moment yeah and there's no you know like yes you can re- react strong more strongly than you know maybe the situation warrants but that mm. makes you just look at if you're like okay I've yes. done that those emotions are still real they're not you know no, exactly fake emotions they're not you know, but you need to look at where they're coming from. If you reacted very strongly to something that maybe didn't warrant it, if you quote unquote overreacted, mm. why was that? Like it's still, it yeah. came out, like you still felt that strongly about something. So what else yes. is going on? You know? Well, and also I think because part of like where overreacting might come from is how the person you're overreacting towards reacts. Exactly. And what we fail, what we often fail to acknowledge in those situations is they're having a reaction to our reaction, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and they have nothing to do with it. They don't know. Also they like, have nothing to do with what you're feeling or like, I can feel no, all I want. <laughs> that's it. But it's also like, they might be t- telling you, you overreacted, but that's all their own shit. Like it's exactly. all, it's actually because they're uncomfortable with their emotions. They're, yeah. you know, like, and we've got to remember that they, they have a choice or they have like, they have, um, I want to say choice. I'm feeling un- I'm feeling funny about this idea of like choices over emotions because I don't think it's mm. exclusively true. Right. But they, you know, they do have some choices in terms of how they react to us. So whether they, yeah. maybe not in the moment, but even later, like I, I really think about there's these emotionally charged moments that are going to happen in relationships, whether mm-hmm. it be intimate, friendships, family, whatever it might be. Yeah. And it's like how we recover afterwards is equally as important. And something yep. like, like we, I've learned through um, parenting is like if you blow up at your kids, it's equally as important to come back later mm-hmm. and say, I fucked up. Maybe like there's a resolution to three year old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's about acknowledging yeah. that you made a mistake, that you're sorry and you apologize for it. Yeah. And, you know, and like repair the relationship. And, I don't think we talk about that side of it enough. We talk about no. how we're supposed to manage that that emotionally charged moment and we're not taught yeah. like how to recover because well, I think generally I think generally we're taught to avoid those in, yes. those initial things, you know. That's and part then, of the management, right? Is it's we, like you got to yeah. avoid it. Yeah. Or yeah. Like that's speaking about, you know, getting angry and and resolution and stuff like my fam- my parents got divorced when I was five and had a very nasty divorce. And so the only time they ever saw each other, they would fight, like scream, yell, fight. Like they mm-hmm. hated each other. And so I never really saw them interacting with each other in a mm-hmm. positive way. Um, so, <laughs> so in my family, it's very much like all of us generally feel if you argue with somebody, it means like you really hate each other and there's probably never going to be any resolution to it. Wow. And my sister-in-law, so my um, brother's wife, she came from a family that her parents made a point of fighting in front of the kids. Not a point, Mm. but they didn't try to hide it. Yes. But they always, always made sure that they didn't just fight in front of the children, but they fought and then they found a resolution to it. And then they talked to the kids about it saying, 
yes, like we had a fight and we said some things to each other, but now we've resolved it because we love each other. And just disagreeing on a topic doesn't mean you don't like that you stop loving each other or anything like that. So that's where my sister-in-law came from. So when her and my brother got together, she was like, no, we're going to fight. Like if we have to have a fight, let's have a fight right here. And he was very much like, no, 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 no. We don't talk about that in front of the kids. We don't, Mm. we don't show that to anybody like, but those emotions are still there. You know, you're still feeling angry or frustrated with your partner. So isn't it better to express it and find a resolution and realize that, Hey, even though we don't agree on everything, we still are able to resolve something and feel strong and, you know, well, it normalizes so much of it, right? Like I feel the same. like, it's interesting you bring that up because I came from a family where our way of dealing with things was to scream and yell at each other and have this like super, super charged moment and then like forget afterwards. Yeah. And the thing was, there, I think the forgetting was a lack of resolution. Yeah. It was just venting at each other. It was just like, let's vent our anger and then we move on. Yeah. I remember in my very first serious relationship outside of school, the man I was dating at the time, he came from a family where they didn't talk. They just never fought with each other. It was total mm-hmm. conflict avoidance. Yeah. And so one of the first fights we got in, I'm doing my screaming tactic and he has just like checked out. He's gone. <laughs> like there's, yeah. He's like, like physically backing away, like not looking at me, like got every yeah. sign you can think of. And I must have had a conversation with him at the time to kind of be like, why aren't you screaming back at me? Like what, 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 this is what we're supposed to do. And and like, we kind of had, must've had a discussion and I learned, oh, that's one way. There are different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually have never again, I have definitely raised my voice, but I've never, ever screamed again in a relationship Mm, ever. Like, because I was just like, it's just not needed. Like it's not. Yeah. it's one of those things where you finally question something that was so automatic and you go, but why am I doing this? Yeah. And it just wasn't necessary. Yeah. And like with Rory now, like we've really learned a lot about how, how differently we um, feel and interact and process and avoid. And we try to argue in front of the kids for the same thing, because like something I'm pleased my parents did teach me is that you never go to bed angry. Okay. Yep. And so it was really like try and get a resolution, mm-hmm. which sometimes is really hard because like oh, sometimes it's so hard. <laughs> you end up talking until like two and three in the morning. You're like, I've got yeah. shit to do tomorrow morning. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. but, I don't know. I always still. You're like, this just isn't practical. <laughs> yeah, I know. But the truth is I don't have a good sleep when I haven't resolved it anyway. Yeah, that's I'm just true. Like mm-hmm. Going over And then it. you wake up and you just feel crappy and you're like, oh, we <sighs> still have to like deal with this. Like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, actually, and talking about this year, I think another big thing for me has been Rory's and my relationship because so this is our first year postpartum of with our second child and it's a night and day situation compared to the first year postpartum with our first child. Mm. And admittedly, you know, totally new parents compared to seasoned parents moving into two children. Like it's, they're both difficult, but in very different ways. Yeah. But the biggest thing was our communication was like, infinitely better than when Mm -hmm. we first had children to the point where like we had some roaring arguments and I like told him at one point like fly back to Australia and just stay with your family because like (laughs) I think you need to miss us or something I got real upset about Mm. it 
Whereas this time we've like had a really good dialogue and like I really want to acknowledge how much we've worked mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. And like I can't like I can't promote enough the benefit of having like a couples counsellor mm. um, at any at any stage of a relationship because honestly I think I feel like a lot of people have a lot of um they hear that and they automatically think like, oh, their relationship's on the rocks. And that's what yeah. keeps us steady, honestly. Yeah. That's the thing we, you should be doing before it gets on the rocks, you know, so that's you can deal with it when you get into those situations. Exactly. Yeah. We found our couples counselor, in fact, after we'd come out of the rocky situation with our first child. And I, because I didn't want to start with a counselor when we were in the depths because that just like, you've got to do so much to get a rapport with someone. I didn't want to like, dive into it when we're like when you're really low yeah exactly whereas then we we did start when we felt a little bit better and the the beautiful thing about having a counselor or you know you could go to a psychologist or a mediator or whatever Mm -hmm. is you have that third party and you have a booking in the calendar that was the biggest thing for us is that because we had a booking in the calendar Rory came to the uh, appointment with a different type of energy than even if I say, can we talk about this thing that's upsetting me this afternoon? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Because he's got a totally open floor. He's got, he knows that at least at the very yeah. least, the counselor is going to understand him without judgment. Yeah. Even if I'm still judging what he's feeling. Yeah. But like he came with such a different energy and yeah. to have that on the regular and then for us to find like find out stuff about one another, like, oh, you were believing this and I was believing that and that's why we disconnected. Mm -hmm. And then to introduce common language that we could use to like communicate more freely and more effectively was game changing. And it like made this, even though we had a lot of different challenges, the second postpartum, like my skin and my depression and a lot of like that stuff that was plaguing me, our relationship remained steady, which was game changing. But that's the thing because that's, that stuff is always going to happen in life. You're always going to yeah. have challenges. Like it's always going to be one thing or another, you know, yep. like yep. it's not ever going to be this smooth sailing. No. So if you know how to deal with it and you know how to, as a couple deal with it, individually deal with it, which I think is like the perfect, you know, that's what we're doing with this podcast and with this experiment and with our project, it's yep. figuring out because life is always going to kind of suck. Like it's hard. All of this stuff is really hard. <laughs> don't, don't take that caption for our like Instagram. Yes. Like life is always kind of gonna suck. <laughs> yeah, so just deal with it. <laughs> the really cynical podcast. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like it's always it going can to be. If we let it. Yeah, yeah. Like there are always challenges, and it's just mm. like the strength that you have to deal with whatever comes your way. That's what's going to make it good or bad. You know, yeah. like that's what's going to have that lasting feeling on it. You know, Mm. it's not whether something bad is going to happen to us this year or something better is going to happen to us because anything, even great situation, look at all the people who win the lottery. It's their dream to win the lottery. They win the lottery and they're miserable. Yeah. No, it's all because they haven't changed. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I, I like that analogy because, yeah, it is the case. So many like lottery winners end up spending all the money and they're miserable and and, and people are like asking nothing... them for money. They don't know who to trust yes. anymore. All this stuff. And it's like, okay. But There's so much of what they did always that doesn't change. And that just yeah. continues to perpetuate. Like I heard, I've heard someone say money just amplifies who you are. It doesn't mm. change you. Mm-hmm. And 
I think that that's totally true. I also think that it's not just money that does that. Like for in our instance, I feel like children amplify who we are. Like yeah. if I'm already feeling negative and whatever, I'm just more, I'm just more cranky. Yeah. And at the same time, if I let, if I lean into life being lighthearted and letting things roll off my back, mm-hmm. I'm more like that with my kids. Yeah. Like, but I think that's you the same is true for uh, relationships. Absolutely. Like when Greg and I got together, it was challenging for me because And I told him this, I don't know how many times I'm like, you know, when we would argue or if I would have some like be down about something or be triggered by something, I was like, I told him like, when I look at you, it's like you're a mirror and you're reflecting back all the worst things about myself, like just how I act and react in a relationship and what I'm triggered by and what, you know, like why I'm feeling emotional about certain things. It's like, it's dredging up all these old issues and all the stuff that lies dormant when you are single and you're by yourself, you know, and you don't have that person that's always there to bounce those things off of. Like when you're by yourself, you can scream at the top of your lungs and nobody's going to hear it and question you and you don't have to explain yourself and you can, you know, do whatever you want. Right. Which has its perks and its negatives as well. But when you're with somebody, it's like all of that's reflected back on you because they're sitting there thinking like, why are you screaming all of a sudden? Like explain yourself, you know, are you mad at me or you, you know, whatever it is. And then you have to figure it out. You know, I think that's amazing advice. I'm going to share that with some people that are like having trouble with relationships (laughs) because the thing I see too, is like, there's a couple of people in my life who have you know been single maybe a long time or they've kind of jumped from relationship to relationship mm-hmm. and like one of the things one of them keeps saying to me is like there's no good men out there mm. and I'm like that's not true first of all no like, like that's that's a such a crazy thing when you start to analyze <laughs> yeah. what that what what that saying is is like there yeah. are no good men out there well that's not possibly true because yeah there's like <laughs> billions of men out there yeah um but it's also like you are the common denominator. Like yeah. you continue to, you know, and it can, again, it's that mirror. There's a number of things. Men keep coming into your life, showing you parts of yourself that you're really not happy with, but you're mm-hmm. saying it's their qualities that you're not happy with. Yeah. Even if someone, like, even if someone's dating an asshole, the fact that you keep choosing assholes, that's the reflection. Exactly. Like that's the thing yeah, that you that's keep the problem. wanting. Yeah, you don't mm-hmm. want to see it. You don't want to take responsibility for your part in it. Yeah. And and I don't want to lean into like victim shaming space no. here because it's not about that, but it is about like you do get choice over who you mm-hmm. partner up with yeah. and you have to make wiser choices if it's not working out. You have to look at what your patterns are. You have to look at mm-hmm. are you not valuing yourself? Like are you deeming what you want to need in a relationship less worthy than the person that you're partnering up with? Because yeah. that's the thing I see you time and time again. And I'm like, please remember <laughs> what you want is like worthy and valuable yeah but I think so much of it is like you know to kind of circle back to what we were talking about initially is that a lot of times we don't really know what we want we think yeah what we want is the relationship and then once we get there it's like okay cool I've got this now so Mm. then now what like my life's gonna magically be perfect it's like when when people just want the wedding and it's like but that's just the start of your marriage (laughs) you know like a wedding is just a like a ceremony it's not the be all end all but you're putting a lot of focus on it you know even with weddings people are like I want the wedding photos like that's what they haven't said out loud but they actually want 
not remembering that the photos come with a whole host of family coming that's going to piss you off on the day you don't get to see your partner. <laughs> yeah. You spend a shit ton of money on food that wasn't that great. Like it's yeah, just exactly it's a lot more than just these yeah. picture perfect moments you can And you're gonna have to wall. see that man or that, you know, usually it's the women that are like making the wedding into a big thing, but that's mm-hmm. a huge generalization. But um but, yeah. Yeah, pretty true. But I think like you have to see your partner, like you realize that you're getting married. Like you should yes. be seeing that level of preparation into your marriage That's as well, it. right? Like yep. put that level Absolutely. of thought into other things as well. Like, fine, if you want to have this big fancy wedding, that's totally fine. Like yeah. do your thing. But also acknowledge all of the other stuff, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's something else I was going to mention there about the grass is always greener part. I think just as a segue to say, like, thinking about what it's going to look like next year mm. for us, because there are things that I would like to have changed from this year or, or nothing. Actually, that's not true. I don't, I don't actually ever, I don't hold any regret. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to have this conversation with you. I don't do regret at all, only because I so strongly believe every decision I've made, good or bad, has led me to where I am today and, like, has taught me something and, you know, it might have been an uncomfortable thing to feel or whatever, but Mm -hmm. I don't do regret at all. Yeah. Um, But I am excited to, like, learn from the stuff from this year, like, the the whisper of, like, going back to Australia. Oh, that's what I was going to say, thinking of grass is always greener and, like, the wedding analogy. I've been feeling like this with the Australia decision and I had to really take some weeks to sit and go, this feels like life will be fixed. Yeah. Perfect. Listening once I get to Australia and Rory and I had to sit down a few times and go, let's play devil's advocate. Like Mm -hmm. let's go through worst case scenario. What are we not considering? What is it actually going to look like? And the big thing for us is always like uh, I'm, I have this really like, strained internal relationship with my family and well with our families yeah and how I hold my boundaries and like having you know being a recovering people pleaser and Mm -hmm. you know being a kind of new to boundaries in the last say like five years um a lot of that's going to be tested when I go back yeah and what I am trying to prepare myself for as much as I can and of course I can't be perfectly prepared is to go back and have kind of a challenging couple of first months, not Mm -hmm. because of like obviously all the normal things of international move and time zones and temperatures and whatever, but because for the first part it's going to be a lot of like setting new boundaries with people Mm -hmm. because it's like our fresh slate. And I always find the most challenging part of setting a boundary is doing the setting reminding people of the boundaries a lot easier than it is doing the initial setting it's like any conversation once you've had that initial conversation you can always reference back to it be like hey that hard part was done and now hey remember remember when we talked about that like exactly a lot easier Mm -hmm. and we're already having conversations come up we're like oh we'll just see you like you know when you get in and whatever and it's like well I need to think about what my because the other thing too is I think a lot of our family are very excited to see us because they haven't met our youngest daughter and they've only Mm -hmm. met our eldest daughter like once. Yeah. And the thing is, that's great. And I'm really pleased they want to see us. Mm -hmm. I also have to be really, really realistic about the fact that we're doing an international move. Yes, it's back to our original country. But that's huge. (laughs) Still an international move with two children. Never done that. Mm -hmm. Um, And two pets and furniture. Like it's so much bigger than anything we've undertaken. Mm -hmm. 
our energy is going to be low. And like, it might be the case where I'm like, listen, we're just not ready to see anyone for the first, I don't know, couple of months. Like it's, I'm, I don't mean to be the downer, but like I yeah. have to, if I can't take care of myself, how am I supposed to be a good mum to my daughters or, yeah. you know, or be able to do the things I need to do, like finding houses and cars and all the, all the pieces, like it's, it's a big deal. Yeah. So I have I to also, acknowledge that. I also think something that um, I know for myself, because you and I are both big planners, right? So I think yeah. that <laughs> part of what I've had to kind of learn is to like, is to plan for the unknown like yeah like plan that it will be unknown is kind of what I mean by it where it's like be you've never done this before so you don't know you can Mm. anticipate certain things that you're going to struggle with I mean you're going to be staying with your mom like that's going to be a whole other thing even though you're getting along really well with her it's still its its own dynamic you know like it's family regardless of how close we are to them there's still going to be triggers there there's still going to be it's just a different dynamic you know to not have lived with her for 16 years (laughs) I I just did the math just now and I was like six that's a years. Long, that's a lot of years. That's almost as lot of as many years as I was living with her. Yeah, that I've been not living. And with you've her. got your own family and your own people. It's not just you yeah. moving back in there, right? It's exactly. It's managing all of that, but you don't really know what it's going to look like or how you're going to feel until you get there. You yeah, can kind of anticipate think- certain things are going to come up, but I also think there might be really nice hidden surprises that come up where you're like, oh, that's absolutely. actually really nice. And I didn't know that would happen, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I yeah. think like part of that planning for the unknown for me is kind of that boundaries piece of like yeah. having, having broad enough boundaries that kind of give me flexibility. Mm-hmm. So it's like saying, we're going to catch up with you when we're ready. Yeah, we are definitely exactly. going to catch up with you. Yeah, we're going to do it when we're ready. Yeah, um, and also just to kind of teach our families that, like, I, I'm, I'm really trying to teach everyone about like that open line of communication. Like, let's be honest with each other. I'm not interested in this. Like, like Rory and I don't do it in our family. We're not telling people behind the scenes one thing and then not telling the person yeah. it's about. Like, if you're unhappy, ring me. Like, I want to yeah. really. Like, and that's the thing where I'm gonna. That's going to be a hard boundary setting exercise of like Mm -hmm. I just want us to have open dialogue like I'm not gonna get um sensitive to the things that you're saying as best as I can because I I want to like acknowledge and hear you yeah and like I think setting those kind of initial communication boundaries will really give me flexibility and like navigating the unknown without those expectations I'm concerned about. I think that flexibility is such an important word just in the sense of, you know, it can be so hard when you are a planner and it can be so hard Mm. when you are dealing with uncertainty and you're just trying to like give yourself some relief from that where you're like, okay, well, this is how it's going to be. And if I set it out like this and I, you know, let everybody know that this is how it's going to be. And you try to anticipate everything so much. It's like, yeah. You know, I live my life like that too, where then I'm like, <laughs> okay, but that didn't go at all like how I expected. And now I just cre- spent all this time, you know, planning for something that didn't actually happen. Yeah. But I wasn't flexible with myself. So I couldn't just pivot in the moment and be like, yeah, here, yes. here's this loose boundary. Like it's a boundary and it's important. Yes. But it can move. It's bendy, you know? Like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that's what it's they still like. It's strong, but it's bendy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I read this 
book last year called How to Unfuck Your Boundaries. Mm. It's fantastic, really easy to read short book if anyone wants to learn about boundaries. And the author talks about how there's three different types. There's rigid boundaries that have no flexibility. Mm. There's, I think she calls them permeable boundaries. Okay. And then there's, is it flexible? I I think permeable is the one where it's like, it doesn't really hold. Like it's like right. there's just holes and people are going through your boundary. Yeah. Whereas the flexible is kind of where you want to be. Is like she's she it's used still solid, like, but it can move. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. used the example of like I don't take calls past eight o'clock, but then my son who lives in a different country is available and it's a rare occasion and I'm having a conversation at 10 p.m. Yeah. And like you have the boundary, but you flex it based on your needs at the time. Because it's still based on your needs. It's still based yes. on the the boundaries that you're setting. It's that's you it. that's being flexible with your boundaries. It's not other people that are being flexible with exactly. it. Exactly. Right? That's yeah. the key, right? Absolutely. But Absolutely. I think that that's like, to bring it back to kind of a review of the last year, I think that that's the whole um, idea behind this project where it's like let's Mm. find out about ourselves so we know what those boundaries are so I know how to be flexible with my own boundaries and flexible with my own you know quote unquote rules that I've made for my life you know like I found myself at the beginning of the year in a job that I hated but I'm good at it and I've always had jobs like that and I've always put myself in those positions that was the worst position I was ever in but Mm. I it's not the first time I've been in that position you know, and I had kind of set these rules for myself that that is, that's just part of life. That's Mm. just what you have to do to make the money you need to make to live the life you want. Instead of realizing, oh, actually, if I'm flexible with that boundary of mine or with that rule or that understanding I have about my life, Mm. I can actually make money doing something that is more fulfilling. Yes, it's scary. And yes, it's very challenging. And yes, it's been a lot of work in its own way, but it's going to give me something very different. So be flexible with it, you know? And I I love that. Yeah. Like, I think that that's for me, what I've gotten out of this project so far Mm. is, is being able to, yeah, have that understanding a bit more of what is going to work for me and what isn't going to work for me. So that I can make it clear to other people in my life and make it clear, like, this is how I'm living my life now. Well, isn't that so true is that we can't be clear with our boundaries if we don't know what they are. Exactly. And, you know, it really makes me think at the time we're recording this, like we're just about to wrap up our physical like um, experiment. Mm -hmm. And I think for me in the past, not valuing physical activity as being like an important thing that must occupy time Mm -hmm. in my calendar has meant that I will let that be a permeable boundary like I'll just let whatever other thing you know like like when you put things in your calendar that you're like oh I'll put time in there to make sure it's not blocked out but then some things you put in there are easily blocked out by it like you're like oh I can move that or I can do that in short amount of time like you're not really serious about it when you first put it in absolutely yeah I think this like the all of these experiments have really helped me to understand far more in depth what is important yeah. to help maintain my equilibrium and or even to like try and get back to my equilibrium exactly and I'm so grateful that you asked me to do this podcast because honestly at the time I was like oh this would be a fun like you know, <laughs> yeah. monthly thing and like my first like the first experiment I was like I didn't do anything <laughs> <laughs> like I wasn't taking it that seriously but yeah then when I started to like really notice the self-care coming 
through like mm-hmm. the really like and to feel like I was healing through yeah. the experiments like that was huge yeah like it really and, and I, I think it's a real testament to the fact as well I think we spoke a lot in the first a couple of episodes about you've got to dedicate time to this you've got to mm-hmm. you know start making self-care something that you value enough that you take some time out of your calendar yeah and I still think that is true, but I also have recognized that it doesn't take a lot of time. No, it's, it's more about like that awareness, like constantly being there. And like, mm-hmm. there's been like, I think in the emotional experiment, I wasn't necessarily like doing tasks that were on my calendar or that were like in yeah. my head to do for the day. But it was like these little check-ins when I was like, oh, I'm feeling emotional. Why is that? And just having that awareness to kind of like catch That's, myself. In honestly, those moments. like I know we're, we're going to pick words for our next year, but if I had to pick mm. one word that was the most powerful one for me for 2021, it would have to be awareness. Right. That That is the thing, just being aware of what I'm feeling, what I'm doing, like having that initial awareness can lead you to then take action on whatever it is you want to take action or decide to not take action, but at least yes. you're aware of it. And, and it doesn't take a lot of time, you know, to get back no. to the calendar things. I love that you said that and actually made me think, um, that this, because normally in my calendar, the only stuff that I stick to, because I'm an obliger and a people pleaser, the only stuff that I've historically stuck to is stuff that hinges on other people being there, that they've either said it or I'm accountable to people, like my volunteering every week, our podcast, like those things I will be early for. Like I, you know, I'll be there exactly when I need to be there. No ifs, ands, or buts. But when it comes to stuff for me, that was all flexible. Like that was all Mm. like, it's almost like I shouldn't even have written anything in my calendar. Like I could move it around so much, ignore it completely. And it wouldn't even phase me at all. Yeah. And now the big shift that's happened to me this year is that now I'm setting stuff in my calendar. I'm valuing the stuff that I'm choosing to do for myself just Mm. as much as I value the stuff for other people. And sometimes even more so to the point now that like Greg was away for a month and now that he's back, I find it very challenging to have to factor him into my life again in a way mm, because yeah, yeah, I got I mean. so good at, at valuing my own time and my own actions in those times. Yes. Like it, I was almost getting like kind of addicted to it where I'm like, this is awesome. I want to do this now and I want to set up the-. and it wasn't always easy. It's not like it, I was yes. doing stuff that I wanted to be doing. Like, I was actively pushing myself to do different things and work on different projects and go to kickboxing and go and Mm. do all these things, even when I didn't want to do it, you know? Yes. And yet at the same time, like we've just been talking about flexibility and like you were kind of forced to learn flexibility through our last experiment Mm -hmm. and, and like having to include, like, it's interesting because you get to choose what you're flexible about. So you don't have to be flexible about when something's in my calendar, it's rock solid. But when you're putting stuff in your calendar, you know, oh, Greg's coming back now. I need to put stuff. Like the flexibility comes in a different, you know, way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it is that thing where it's like I was super bummed when I took kickboxing, had to take kickboxing out of my calendar. But then I consciously was like, okay, well, if you're taking that out, you know, you still need to be active and you want this for yourself. So you need to put other things in that calendar and abide by them. And it yeah. doesn't have to be at that exact time, but it's still doing it, right? Like doing the small things and acknowledging yes. that the stuff that you do that's not in your calendar still counts. <laughs> you know? Yes. Like, it's interesting because like my experience with my calendar this year has really been, I blocked 
very specific times for work. And I've really, I, I was saying on the weekend to a friend, like in the last six months, just shy of six months, I've pretty well dedicated to working a four day week. Mm-hmm. And I've only been doing maybe like between two and six max hours a day of my working days on my business. That's awesome. And that's not very much. And yet my business has made more income than it has in years. Yeah. And I think part of it is because like it's that Parkinson's law, like the the tasks I have can't expand beyond the container I've given them because I'm strict about it. Like I I close my laptop, I'm I'm out. Yeah. Um, And then I've been flexible on uh, like I've I've created space because the thing I Mm -hmm. get challenged with sometimes is I know I work well when I've got a packed calendar, but part of that has been because it's so packed I can't afford to let things slip. Whereas when I've built space in in the past, I have been too flexible with letting, oh, I'll just let that task run Mm -hmm. longer or whatever, and I'm not doing that anymore. And so like the fact that I'm sleeping, say, like 10 plus hours a night which has been super healing to my skin, but was mm-hmm. very challenging and very judged. Like it was a lot of judgment that came with it for me is huge because I've created the space and I'm like giving myself the permission to actually use it for the thing it's intended yep. to. Exactly. So intended for. Yep. So yeah. And, and I, I think, think what an interesting year. <laughs> I know it's really been, yeah, quite a year. Hey, I think we're oh. ending it on such a high note though. I do too, actually. And it feels so nice to be to be ending it on a high note because last year this time I felt so like considering last year yes I was pregnant and that was obviously like playing into it and my skin was challenged mm-hmm. I I feel like I've got so much more happening like if you looked at the how busy my life is now yeah. it's so much busier than it was last year and yet I feel so much more relaxed and so much more excited like, about the holiday season. Look at what it's busy with though, right? It's all yes. stuff that fills you up and it's stuff that's very intentional and yeah. And all of that. And kind there's of still stuff. a lot yeah. of space, even though yeah. it's full, like I've got a lot of space. Like mm-hmm. I'm holding, I'm holding boundaries where it's important for myself to hold. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Yeah. I know thinking about, you know, this time last year, all the word that came into my mind was just powerless. Like I've just felt powerless. Yeah. yeah. Right. And now I just feel like I am making these decisions for like, I'm in control Mm. and I'm choosing these things. And so even though I'm super busy and I have all these projects on the go and especially, you know, leading up to being away for the holidays and, you know, recording all the extra episodes, like all this extra stuff that I'm doing in these, this time, it's a lot, but it's so fulfilling and it's so meaningful and it's so, it fills me back up so much that it doesn't feel out of control. It doesn't feel too busy. It doesn't feel overwhelming. It doesn't feel any of those things because I still feel like I've got the power. I've got the Mm. power to make the choices because I know which choices I want to be making. Like I I know which things are going to make me feel better and which things are going to make me feel worse. You know, I'm starting to get an understanding I mean, obviously, I think we've both got a long way to go and it's going to be super exciting next year to cover yeah. all the different topics that we're the different experiments we're going to do. And but imagine I, this time next year, like imagine oh my goodness. Christmas or holiday season 2022, Christine yeah. and Maddie, like what the Crazy. transformation looks like from there. Oh my god! And I hope, like, I just really hope that the our audience recognizes like when we're just two ordinary women, like mm-hmm. there's nothing... Like other than our white privilege, other than like the inherent, you know, stuff yeah. in the world, there's nothing that special about us. Like we're, yeah. we're two normal chicos yeah. hanging out with each other. 
it's possible for anyone. I really, truly, mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I don't want to say that, you know, all of that societal stuff isn't important and, and doesn't impact, but and it does. But I think that we can all be working on this if we, if we yep. choose to. We can all be more intentional Absolutely. with the way that we, you know, take care of ourselves. I mean, I think so. the fact that you're listening to this podcast right now, it means that you are seeking something out. So if you've taken that first step to seeking out something, to seeking out to learn more about self-care or to figure out more about your life or you're unhappy, like whatever it is, you've taken this action to listen to this podcast today. So that's huge. Mm. That's and self-care in and of itself. Like, exactly. Honestly, it is. Yeah. It's It really is because a lot of people don't do a lot of that stuff. We just don't have time for it. We don't have, you know, we're really good at glossing over all of that. So the fact that you're listening today is a good sign and just keep going. I'm really grateful that you are. We are. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Um, so as always, you guys can follow us on Instagram. We are at how to be me again, and we would love it. If you comment on there, let us know how your self-care experiments are going. If you've got, if you've been doing other experiments that have really helped you, we want to hear all of it. We're just so excited. We're happy to be on this journey and we love the idea of other people being on this journey with us. So definitely reach out to us. And we will talk to you next week when we talk about 2022 and the year ahead. So exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Talk to you next week, guys. Bye. Bye.